but there's a way to look even further upstream so you're not just treating the thing you find on the paper that's we call that treating the paper so you might find low uh, low uh, thyroid let's say or low estrogen or progesterone or, or some of these other things um, and then just augment so augmentation therapy is very popular because you do feel better but it doesn't ever resolve the problem that caused the imbalance in the first place Welcome back to the PCOS Holistic Coach Podcast with me, Dr. Ami Patel, pharmacist, fellow sister, and coach. This podcast is an easy-to-listen-to resource for your busy, on-the-go life. You will learn how you can live a healthier and happier life with PCOS from real conversations about managing PCOS and the symptoms with amazing guest speakers. Welcome to the community, everyone. Today, we have a special guest here, Reed Davis, and I'm super excited to talk about functional labs with him. And before we get started, I'm going to give a brief introduction of Reed. So welcome, Reed. Hello, welcome. Thank you. Um, So Reed is a board-certified holistic health practitioner and certified nutrition nutritional therapist, which basically means to say he's an expert in functional lab testing and holistic lifestyle medicine. He's the founder of Functional Diagnostic Nutrition and the FDN Certification Corps, over 4,000 graduates in 50 countries. Reads Wellness Center in Southern California for over 10 years with 10,000 clients and is known as one of the most experienced clinicians in his field. Reed serves on the advisory board of the American Natural Wellness Coaches Board and the American Association of Natural Wellness Coaches. So it is a pleasure to have you here, Reed, and to learn from your expertise. Well, thanks so much, Dr. Ami. I'm really pleased to be here and we'll see if we can help some folks. Anything I can do, I'm I'm willing. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, um, before we get into the depth of the conversation, can you tell us a little bit about why and how you got into functional lab testing space and what exactly is functional lab testing? Yeah, sure. Well, functional lab testing is using laboratory work that a lot of physicians aren't running or aren't running yet. Uh, Some of them are considered experimental or research use only. So they're very cutting edge. We use saliva, urine, stool, and blood, of course, uh, to look for dysfunction that's way upstream. Things are out of balance or not working right, let's say. And so, but I started over 20 years ago, almost a quarter century ago in a clinic where I went to work because I was very concerned about people's health, including my own. You know, I'd actually been in another field Dr. Ami, and um, uh, I was in environmental law and kind of saving the planet, conservation and these kind of things. And I was really seeing how bad the environment was treating the planet. And I wondered what's what's the effect on people? I just hadn't studied that yet. And I switched jobs and went to work in a clinic, like I said, and there I had this amazing opportunity to start running lab work to see how were the people doing. And everybody coming in the door was seeking alternative care. They had been through um, lots of different trial and error, I called it. I, I immediately recognized, wow, I can't believe you've been to six or eight or 10 different people and you're not better yet. And I thought that was, to me, it seemed like a ripoff at the time. Now I realized that doctors weren't doing anything wrong. They just were out of their 
specialty. You know, they don't work on the functional level and upstream. You know, they work on the immediate uh, causes or symptoms only, managing care. And so, so the people who wanted to get really well and healthy and figure out what was really wrong were just seeing the wrong practitioners. And there wasn't enough of, I'll say us, uh, now that I'm kind of one of <laughs> But at the time, I really felt like a pioneer, like no, no one was kind of doing it 25 years ago. And so, yeah. so I just flat out ran thousands of labs on thousands of people for 10 years. I worked there 10 years, just not trying to build anything amazing or big business. I just wanted to be successful at helping people. And man, did I discover some things. And at the beginning, I could say that I had a lot to learn, but I had nothing to unlearn. You know, I was pretty much a raw canvas and started running these labs and getting uh, different types of uh, uh, advice, but also making my own observations. And that's how I finally uh, developed FDN as a system. It's like a, a very thorough, thorough investigative uh, mentality and system, never medically diagnosing, always just looking for what's really out of balance or wrong. And then the other half of it is, well, what can people do to be in control? Because I didn't want people dependent on me right. or any other practitioner, but upon themselves, their own knowledge and their own ability to, to follow certain uh, rules, if you will, of nature, you know, how the body really works. Yeah, that's amazing that you saw like a gap in the healthcare system and you decided to do something about it. So that's really awesome. So what Thank exactly you. is like functional lab tests as opposed to just like, I don't know, regular tests or what does the functional part mean? Well, it means looking for certain markers that would tell you what is out of balance pretty far upstream. So they call it root cause medicine. But there's a problem I have with that. My own discoveries over all the years have led me to believe there's never one cause. So, you know, we, we, we run saliva, looking at hormones, the immune system. We run other tests for immune dysfunction. You know, immune system, hormones obviously can be out of balance. I think we all know that. And, um, but there's a way to look even further upstream. So you're not just treating the thing you find on the paper that's we call that treating the paper so you might find low uh low uh, thyroid let's say or low estrogen or progesterone or, or some of these other things um and then just augment so augmentation therapy is very popular because you do feel better but it doesn't ever resolve the problem that caused the imbalance in the first place and uh that sounds easy but it's not as easy as you might think because, and again, here's why. So, what, what, and whether it's that hormones or the immune system over or underactive, you have digestion. People aren't really breaking down and absorbing food very well, which gives them deficiencies in amino acids and neurotransmitters. And, you know, that's a rabbit hole on its own. And of course, detoxification pathways. And then there's en energy production, there's nervous system balance, there's oxidative stress. So again, when you run thousands of labs and thousands of people and pay attention, um, you learn a few things. And I discovered a pattern. They're all causal factors. All the, everything I just mentioned to you is a causal factor in almost every case. 
And so here's the other thing no one seems to be looking at is the effect those causal factors are having on each other, which aren't singly measurable. So it gets a little convoluted, but there, if you follow a pattern and a system that, that I created in the office, you get, you get where you want to go. You discover what are the true healing opportunities. Now that's the functional word healing opportunities. So that's what you're looking for with functional lab testing is what's you could just say for the consumer what's really wrong how it's affecting all the other things that are really wrong and we call it metabolic chaos that's my one if you will diagnosis it's not a medical diagnosis but it's it's an assessment it says look there's metabolic chaos and it's in eight forms and those are having an effect on each other so so the people go okay read You've just checked my hormones, my immune system, digestion, detoxification, and so on. Um, I see the imbalances. I see what you're talking about. Thank God somebody discovered something useful. And whereas a lot of other tests just aren't useful. And um, especially if they say you're normal. <laughs> You've heard that one. People run a blood test. Everything looks normal. Well, they know something's wrong. It's... I don't feel normal. So anyway, so you run these other labs and you find out what are the healing opportunities, the functional labs. Then everyone wants to know, what do I do about it? Well, now you're asking the right question. Yeah. It's not about what do I take? You know, what's the prescription or how long do I have to be on it for? Or it's what can I do? And so we also codified and systematized a holistic lifestyle program that allows you to live yourself out of the problems you lived yourself into. Most most of the chronic downward spiraling degenerative type conditions are uh, recoverable. You know, you, you got there honestly, <laughs> and now you can get out of it if you're willing to put the work in. Yeah, no, that's really good. Yeah, that's, I was going to ask you, like a lot of times women that get tested for PCOS or they have PCOS and then they're continuously told that their labs are normal. So what, and so now you're suggesting like, you know, you can get the functional test and see how everything's related, which kind of makes sense because, you know, like our body is, it's not like our body's interconnected. So you are, like you said, you know, if you have one problem, most likely you have multiple problems or, you know, things are related or it's the start of a new problem. So what is the steps to take that's practical? Like you said, maybe not necessarily taking medicine or not necessarily taking just supplements. What's like practical lifestyle recommendation? You know, that's a good question. And what occurred to me because remember, I was in a clinic. I was seeing people every day, really trying to help them resolve their problems and take back control of their health. They've been to six or eight or 10 of other practitioners. Sometimes they'd spend a lot of money trying a bunch of things and got little results here and there. But um, I couldn't write a prescription. See, I wasn't a physician. So I didn't have that as a, as a way of, oh, here's take this and come back in three months. I actually started sending them home with instructions what to do between their visits. Okay. And so those are what developed into the Dress for Health Success program, D-R-E-S-S. -S. That stands for diet and rest and exercise, stress reduction, 
We've all heard that word stress before. <laughs> and then supplementation. So if they just want to know about the supplements, I would say it's not going to work. You can't just take a handful of supplements and compensate for a, a lifetime of bad behavior or continuous bad behavior or any of these things. So you, you really need to be willing to make some changes. And I found out some people are, and they've followed the recommendations and actually came back feeling better and better and better and losing weight and getting their thinking back. Even things like PCOS and fibromyalgia and other, uh, you know, kind of diagnoses went away some of the time. Matter of fact, most of the time. And it's because those even serious diagnoses are also the accumulation of, we could say, bad behavior in a bad environment. You know, they just accumulate and accumulate. And people are different. They're all so individual, biochemically individual, that it affects people different ways. You know, the, the same stressors, the same bad environment. One person's got fibromyalgia, one person's got PCOS, one's got irritable bowel disease, another has, you know, chronic this or chronic that obesity and diabetes and all these kind of things. So it, those are the accumulation of dysfunction. I call it metabolic chaos. And you can sort it out if you're willing to do the work. And um, that's where you find out if people are, are truly motivated enough. But again, it was so back to the question. No. You know, I was, a, I was a, you know, um, doing the, the diet, a nutritionist. It's also a personal trainer. I was trained in body work, things. I learned a lot at that clinic in 10 years. I took a lot of certifications, like everything geared towards trying to help people. And the, what it, what worked best was the lab work. That getting to the, you know, the root causes, seeing how those were affecting each other, sorting it out to the best of our ability, and then just giving people things to do. So it wasn't here, take this for three months and come back. It was look, you know, come back every two weeks for good, serious coaching, you know, spending time with people. And here's what you do at home in the meantime. And it's, it's you know, diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, supplementation. And so each visit becomes kind of an accountability session. How well are you following the program? And how's that working for you? And it just works. No, I really like that. And you know, like you said, supplement is the last step of the drugs and supplement like that's supplement in itself means like in addition to everything else. So yeah, I love that formula that you have. And that's exactly like what I tell my clients and my one-to-one -one coaching as well. And um, all the educational resources I provide that, you know, the lifestyle ha changes have to come first and the supplements can help you, but the supplements cannot be in replacement of the lifestyle changes because they're not going to work. Yeah, people would ask me all the time what to take. What should I take? You know, I explain everything to them. I said, oh, it's going to take more. I would say, well, take your wife out to dinner or take a walk around the block. They're like, no, no, what should I? You know, they wanted to know what's in the little bottle. I go, you got to start with, you know, you even just sleep, like the rest thing, exercise, whatever their weakest area was. I said, look, your problem isn't taking supplements. It's that you don't go to bed and you don't exercise and you're all stressed out at work and, you know, all these different other problems. There's a lot of stressors to sort out besides the mental, emotional ones. And what you eat, you know, two, three times a day, it's, it's all works together. Hey there, I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about a free resource I have. 
PCOS is a lifelong condition and it cannot be managed with just a fad diet or a new workout trend. PCOS requires making small, impactful changes in all areas of your life and on a regular basis to see results and make them last. To learn how you can have freedom from PCOS symptoms, watch the replay of my masterclass, Five Steps to a Sustainable Lifestyle, for free with the link in the description below. Now, back to the episode. Um, yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, earlier you said like there's various tests with to test the hormones via like um, blood, saliva, and urine. So which one is more accurate and like what, when would one specific type of test be more appropriate than another? Yeah, well, for me, the saliva testing works best because of how I work, what I'm looking for. But for a physician who wants to do, say, hormone replacement, blood works very well. And even uh, urine works okay, good, good as a matter of fact. So it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. So what I'm always doing is looking upstream, as far upstream as I can go. And uh, I don't do hormone replacement. Doesn't mean we don't work with people who are on it. And we even have ways of helping with the estrogen and progesterone. Uh, you know, there's DHEA, there's pregnenolone. There, there's lots of hormones to work with that are over the counter and things. But um, so it, the answer to your question is it depends. The reason I use saliva is because it's bioavailable 100%. What you're measuring, even though they're tiny amounts, and that's the other thing about saliva, you can measure minuscule amounts of lots of different constituents, um, but it's real time. It's like that was the level bioavailable to this person at that moment. So timing is very important. So you could do a saliva test four times in a day or five times or six times. You could never do that with blood. First of all, no one's going to go get stuck four times in a day. And even just the getting venipuncture, you know, their blood drawn is stressful. So it's going to change things like the stress hormones. So you can't do it. Urine's a little more subtle or gentle, you know, um, but then it's not quite as time specific. So you can't really get the circadian rhythm and the things we want to get. So we're looking for data, which belongs to the person, you know, data should never be secret from the patient it should be right in their face and they should understand it and have a good explanation of what it means. And, uh, the saliva could be very meaningful. This could show you why you feel so lousy, why you're not sleeping or whatever it is. Yeah, actually, no, that's really good. I, I didn't even know that, but that makes sense, all of those things. Um, so basically, it just comes down to like what specifically you're looking for and I guess what the patient, if they're able to do, you know, the multiple lab or saliva tests and things like that. But yeah, that makes sense. I didn't know. Yeah, it, it, right. So if you're having hot flashes and night sweats to take, you know, a couple of common symptoms, then you'd want to know, should you use, you know, some hormones to ad adjust your blood levels so that you don't suffer those symptoms, you know, because mostly those are from uh, luteinizing hormone, you know, it's, it, or pardon me, follicle stimulating hormones. It's very vasodilating. You get sweaty and, and hot. So you can shut that down with a little estrogen. You know, it's really simple. So you, you would do blood work to measure the estrogen. Oh, here's a good dose for you. And the hot flashes go away. You know, it doesn't do much else for you, but that's not a bad thing. Re there's nothing wrong with relief care. So if I was that physician, yeah, blood work's fine. You just, 
and you know other other symptoms low libido oh testosterone you can measure and look and see how ridiculously low it is in some people through blood work and then you would you know um, be able to augment and then you'd be able to track and titrate the dosage and things so there's good use of blood work for that kind of a thing again as an as uh, uh, someone who's not interested in writing prescriptions um, I want to know more information and that the saliva testing has their cortisol morning noon and afternoon nighttime we have the progesterone the, the estrogen we have the testosterone the DHEA um, the cortisol to DHEA ratio is very important. Um, if it's high cortisol to DHEA, well, we know the body's breaking down. We know that they're in a catabolic state, you know, generally speaking. So that's really important to us who are lifestyle coaches, you know, like that. And then you look, well, why is that? You know, and you, you got to get to know the person. And we have customized intake forms and things that work with the labs to really help a person assess their life and take a good look at it and decide how motivated they are to change it because they're going to have to not just take a pill. Oh, definitely. And that point, actually, what you just said brings me to my next question. So how do you treat a person as a whole and not just like what you see on paper from the results from the labs? Well, remember, I this is no stroke of genius. You know, I just had to. That's the only way I could look at it because I had doctors in the office who really helped me define what's what's medically diagnosing and treating something specific and what's getting an idea of what those healing opportunities really are. And it, thank goodness that functional lab work wasn't called that back then. It was alternative. Some people called it quackery, you know, but it was alternative labs because we were an alternative office. And I saw those that kind of thing go through it was alternative and then it was um, complementary because it was working people well it complements what we do then it became integrative like let's do both together now it's functional medicine and, and a lot of those physicians claim they work as function you know just only on the functional side i think that's not quite true because their licensure requires them to follow the original algorithms i was totally free is my point and actually, there's a line there that I could not cross into diagnosing and treating. So I had to find out how to treat the person instead of the paper. And the person actually was, we called it self-treatment, because I can't treat anybody for anything. So what I've discovered and, and spent you know all these years um, continuously uh, uncovering obstacles to healing and creative ways to overcome them. And it's very interesting where these obstacles come from. You know, a lot of it is environment. A lot of it's even the medication they're on from. <laughs> it's really amazing how convoluted it gets. But but um, so it was no stroke of genius to come up with what they needed to do themselves and take control of. Uh, and it was I just codified it into that D.R.E.S.S. because I like systems that are easy to remember makes it easy for me to remember, you know, if it gets too complicated, if you have 10 things, you know, so those five things, one hand, D-R-E-S-S, anything that isn't diet and rest and exercise and supplements becomes the uh, stress reduction of some sort, whether it be environmental, um, 
And this, the answer to your question was, well, how do you treat the whole person? You realize that they have a lot of obstacles to healing. Some of them might even be in that person's mind or emotions and on a spiritual level, right? Um, so one other question I had is how, what role do food sensitivities play from this like do in POS? Like certain things like gluten and sure. dairy. That's like big well, food. it's critical because nothing really is has um, like a stronger epigenetic uh, influence over a person than what they eat all the time. So, you know, we have these diets that we just follow. Most people actually don't eat more than 15 foods or 20 foods, uh, but we have a test that covers 176 foods. So pretty much we're gonna be able to identify the ones that are creating inflammation in your body on a um, real deep level. Okay, so it's called the mediator release test. And I really won't explain how it works, but I'll tell you, it identifies the foods you can't eat and the foods you can eat. And so, it's better to focus on the ones you can eat. So people look at the list of 176 foods that we just tested for and they go, oh, crap, I can't eat this and I can't eat that. Well, maybe out of 176 foods, you'll have 15, you, you could have eight, 18 or 48 foods that you're sensitive to. That Even that alone tells us something about a person because if you have 50 sensitivities, it's a lot different than a person that only has five or eight or 10, but everyone has some. So it tells us about a person and what other work might be involved. But um, here's the other part of it. Yes, we've identified foods that are creating inflammation, but how much is that inflammation, that inflammation, a part of your overall complaints? Well, it could be a little bit. It could be a whole, it could be the answer. So we always run our food sensitivity testing. And I learned that well over 20 years ago. I didn't really know the power exactly. I thought we were doing some good, but one of my first clients that I ran that test on that we used was uh, complaining of um, overweight. She was 40 pounds overweight. She came in the office. She was getting chiropractic care, by the way. Um, and I would walk her back to the treatment room. Remember I was nutrition and also some body work. So I was, would do trigger point therapy and, and put a heat pack and the doctor would come in and adjust them because that's what they were there for. And I would get to know them and she would, she was really down one day, feeling bad and I, what's wrong? Oh, it's just weight, I'm 40 pounds overweight. And I'm, what are we gonna do about it? You know, hopefully, <laughs> she, oh, there's nothing. She was actually quite upset. There's nothing I could do about it, she said. I'm on this medication for the hives and I can't get off it. And I've been on it for two years and it's made me gain this 40 pounds. You've heard the story probably, but the truth is, uh, you know, she, she thought that was it. And she'd been to her physician a couple of days earlier. This is why she was so upset. And he, she complained of the weight and he said, lady, you can either have the hives or you could be fat. She said, that's what he told her. And she said, well, that's very depressing. And he said, well, I can write your prescription for antidepressants if you want. <laughs> so, you know, so this is well over 20 years ago now. And, it, and I said, well, I called her by her name. I said, you know, why didn't you ever try to find out why you get the hives? 
and her head flipped around like exorcist, you know, and, and what, what do you mean? I said, well, let's try to find out why you get the hives instead of all that nonsense. And she just, within a very short period of time, ran that test and she got off the foods, which she was eating every day. And in nine days, she was off her medication. And in another week, she was exercising to the point of perspiration and taking hot showers. She hadn't worked out to a sweat or taken a hot shower in two years because that gave, even on the medication, she would get the hives. So it completely changed her life and it blew my mind even. You know, I, I'm like, wow, I can't believe, you know, we get results like that. Now, the next person with hives did not get the exact same results, but I had the same results occur with asthma and with fibromyalgia and with migraine headaches you know just gone just complete so here's the thing looking forward i can't tell who it's going to help the most it could be a big part of your problem it could be a little part of your problem these these foods that do looking backwards it was the problem you know so that way therefore we would never not run that test on a person because it could loom really really large in there so that's how you have to look at food sensitivity testing. It could help you a little, it could help you a lot. Yeah, that's important. So basically the food sensitivity can lead to inflammation, which can be presented as either like hives or like irritable bowel syndrome or migraines or like joint pain, right? If there's inflammation. In Almost the anything. There's other ways that it works in this inflammatory, the mediator release. I've seen kids with ADD all of a sudden, they're like different children. I had a principal of a school call me once, and he wanted to know, hey, this Billy is a totally different kid. He's paying attention, he's getting good grades. He's not poking the other kids and causing the teacher trouble. And his, but his question was, what'd you put him on? Oh. Like he thought it was just some kind of a pill or drug. I said, well, we put him on a different lifestyle. We put him on a different diet and sleep patterns. And you know, we worked with him a bit and turned his whole life around. But that test was a big part of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I think inflammation is a, one of the big factors that can contribute to PCOS as well, in addition to everything you said, like diet, rest, exercise, stress, environmental factors, inflammation. So all of those can contribute to PCOS. So it's definitely helpful to know that, you know, if you are addressing all of those things and you're still experiencing some symptoms and maybe considering something like getting, you know, a test for um, food sensitivities to see what role they can play in your body. So, yeah, that's really helpful to know. I learned something from that too, so. Hey, you know, I gotta I got just say that the, the, the style, the, the methodology is about investigating looking for causal factors. And sometimes you can not identify them exactly, but you can get close enough to where you, get, you can have an effect upon it when you use that strategy of DRESS. So we look for the H-I-D-D-E-N, hidden stressors and dysfunctions and causal factors, and then apply the principles of healing in the, you know, the, the lifestyle program. And people just get better. And it's like close to 100% of the people who do it. We, it shifts occur, shifts occur, shifts towards positive, you know, more energy and clear thinking and better sleeping. And, and then that's very uplifting. And along with some uh, mental, emotional, you know, positive 
coaching and things and setting goals and um, uh, the labs give us the markers, you know, the, the baselines and things that we need. So it really works as a great holistic program. Definitely. I really like that approach as I am a PCOS holistic yeah. myself. So, you know, definitely love the holistic and overall looking at your health from all aspects. Um, so before we kind of conclude, I want to see if there was any questions from the community. So I know there's one person on. So if you have a question, you can drop it in the chat or you can get on video and or audio and let us know if you have any questions. And in the meantime, Reed, if there's anything else you wanted to add on, I was just well, going to ask like how, sure. oh, no questions, but thank you. So I'll much. tell you that, that, um, one of the most common questions I get is, you know, can I get these labs run on me? You know, how, how would I do this? And, um, it's it, nowadays it's much easier than when I started, you know, I started in 1999. That's the last century. <laughs> lots occurred between that. The labs have gotten really smart and there's lots and lots of new labs. So there's hundreds of lab companies and they all kind of want to specialize. They do urine testing, they do saliva testing or combinations, stool testing. We have a great lab for that and things. So you want to find a practitioner who's knows how to look upstream for as many multiple, this is the key, multiple causal factors. Like even in PCOS, that's not a singular thing. That's usually a blood sugar problem. You got testosterone issues, you got stress, you got a lot of things going on that are part of the syndrome of symptoms, you know? And so it takes a holistic approach. There's no other way to, there's no magic pill, right? So you got to clean everything up. If you have mold in your house, that's a contributor to metabolic chaos. If you have Lyme disease from a tick bite you had 10 years ago, that could be a contributor to metabolic chaos. If you have food sensitivities, then even the way you think, plus like for me, you know what uh, stresses me out is uh, I was very, very active as an athlete. So I wrestled and surfed and played football. And uh, I, to this day, I ride motorcycles all the time. And, you know, every now and then you have a little spill. It's been a long time, <laughs> you know, so I have a damaged body both shoulders, my neck, my low back, both knees from skiing and things. And so I have pain and you have to manage that in its own way because pain is a stressor that it causes metabolic chaos. And if you have pain from trauma and, and um, you know, you didn't grow up right or whatever, you know, lots of things can happen and um, that can cause the same effects inside the body. The body doesn't care what the stressor is. It responds up you know, into fight flight and, and all these things happen. You get catabolic, the body starts breaking down. And because, because we all have such unique metabolic pathways, metabolic weak links, you could end up with one disease and another person ends up with a different disease. It's all the same causal factors. The, the environment, physical and mental, emotional stress are huge. Yeah, I love that you touched on that, like mindset, mental, emotional stress is definitely big. Sometimes we want the things that are tangible because we feel like we can address it. Like sometimes we only want to focus on diet and exercise, but like you said, you have to address the other emotional and mental stress as well. Yeah. So thank you for touching on that. There's sure. actually a question from the community. So 
Pooja said that um, when she was in college, she got allergy testing done about 10 years ago. But since then, she feels like she has developed food allergies and or sensitivities. So would it be worth to get an allergy test again? And basically, I guess also going along with that, my question is, can food sensitivities change over time? Can allergies change over time? Like you said, you know, like from childhood to adulthood or throughout adulthood? Yes, it's a great question. And there is a big difference between a sensitivity and a allergy. Allergies are generally uh, what we call an IgE reaction. And you probably aren't going to change much from those. If you were allergic to dogs as a kid, you could grow out of it. But it's the same thing with other things. If you had an allergy as a kid uh, and it caused distinctive symptoms, mostly histamine response, your eyes water, you sneeze, you get all stuffy and and what, you could get itchy, you could get a lot of different symptoms, but those aren't going to change as much as a food sensitivity. And there are different types of sensitivities because they affect different parts of the immune system or how our body tries to defend itself. So the sensitivities are much more subtle. Really, I think the testing is the way. You can do a food elimination diet and try to discover that way uh, what's sort of ticking off the uh, upsetting the apple cart, you know, but um, but the testing's the better way to go. And yes, they will change, which is why we do repetitive testing. We'll do a test on, depending on the client and how well they're doing, changing their diet. Like, hey, that moved me. I, I, I feel much better. But then there's remember, there's multiple contributors to metabolic chaos and they're feeding off each other. So it can change the food sensitivities. So um, depending on the person, we'll run that test more than once. So sensitivities aren't the same. There's even another word, oral intolerance. What the heck does that mean? It just means things you put in your mouth, they upset the apple cart. They cause some kind of imbalance or dysfunction. Um, and it could just be that you don't have the digestive enzymes. That's what lactose intolerance is. That's not a sensitivity or an allergy. It's that you don't have the, it, it just makes your digestion go off because you can't break it down properly, you know? So, and there's the same thing with eggs and other things. There's some, there's some things like that. So understanding oral intolerance, sensitivity and, and difference between those and uh, allergies could be pretty important. Wow. Yeah. That's actually good to know. I'm glad you mentioned that. That is a huge difference from sensitivity to intolerance to allergies. So that's good to know and um, definitely a great question. So for anyone that may be struggling and they feel like they've tried everything and not seeing any results, right? So like, this is something that can be addressed. Like, okay, do you have food sensitivities? Do you have allergies that's causing inflammation, which is contributing to your PCOS symptoms? So definitely a lot to think about. Um, yep. So thank you. Thank you for all the knowledge and insight. I definitely learned from this um, I think it's going to be valuable to people that listen to it and if people want to get tested through your um, functional testing and if they want to connect with you where can they find you yeah I was just looking if we had a special link set up I mean I'm functional diagnostic nutrition pretty easy to find but maybe in your show notes if you're sending out some kind of a replay or something we'll get you a a um a special URL, but um, if if you get stuck, just go to functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com 
tell us that you heard um, me on Dr. Ami's show and uh, we'll take good care of you if we can. <laughs> we think we can. But it depends on each person. Yeah, Listen, we're just getting started here. Send me a link after, so I will definitely put that in the show notes. Yeah, I. It's just not in front of me. Sorry. No, that's fine. Yeah. No, no. I'll crap email or yeah. Okay. Totally... Yeah. Thank you. It's been very nice. It was nice to meet you before. Nice to catch up again. And. Uh, yeah, people people got to get up every day with, I think, a positive mental attitude. That's what gets me, even if you don't feel like it. Like, I, I wake up pretty happy every day, but on the days I don't, I still try to do the same ritualistic stuff to be thankful and grateful and, you know, look at the world as a cup half full, not half empty, you know, really important mindset is huge definitely gives you that boost of motivation that you may need and sometimes just the routine you may not realize it but then you'll appreciate that you know i didn't really want to do this today but i'm happy i did it once it's done so yeah definitely yep. perfect Good. we're on the same page i love it and thank you so much for bringing your expertise to the community yeah and my pleasure thank you thank you if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on the podcast so it can reach other listeners that need support with their PCOS. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, comment, and subscribe. I would love to connect with you. Send me a DM on Instagram or TikTok at pcos.holistic.coach. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in.